0: Like, why are we here on this earth? Really, to live out the faith and love of Jesus. You go, I'm just here to honor God. That's a very vague statement. And how do we honor Jesus? By walking like him. And how do we live like Jesus? The righteous, the Bible says, live by faith. And when you think about it, isn't that what we really want in life? That sense of love, that sense of relationship, that sense of family. Isn't that what you yearn for in your heart? You know, that's what we think about. And we really want to do everything we do is just trying to build family. You know, I I have those moments sometimes in my life. I'll probably share it another time as well. But I've had these moments where I just looked at the fellowship, looked at wherever I was, and I said, man, this is the life. Have you ever had that time? I remember one time... Now, I've got to be honest with you. When I was a young Christian, when I was at, at, at college, in my first two years there, two and a half years, I was kind of miserable. I really didn't like Christianity much, just so you know. So prior to becoming a Christian, I really wasn't that into Christianity. I wasn't into any religion. And then when I became a Christian, I was an unhappy Christian. Aren't I really inspiring you right now? And so you know i left i go this this is for the birds i don't like this i left for a couple of years came back still was kind of grinding it through i moved to hawaii a lot of you think well anyone could be happy in hawaii not necessarily Hawaii's kind of a fun place to be just you know just so you know if you're asian too i just realized this we were talking about it with a couple of brothers is you know what hawaii is it's kind of like America if it were run by Asians. <laughs> I don't think any minority group gets that feeling, you know, in, you know in, in America. But in Hawaii, it really is. It's like Asians are in charge of everything. You, you walk in, they think you're automatically from Hawaii. They treat you really nice. And it was kind of fun. But that's not why I, and I was happy. Okay. <laughs> sure, Dave. Um, it was the church. I started realizing, okay, I started realizing this is how you live as a disciple. and I remembered we were sitting in this restaurant it 's called ryan 's, and we, were, we just had a leaders meeting and and, and it was we came out of that leader 's meeting. It was just all the leaders there. We were all single, we were young, we were beautiful <laughs> We were sitting there at the table, 12 of us, just having a great time. I looked around at the restaurant, and I said, wow, we're probably the happiest, you know, and the most enjoyable bunch of people in this whole place. And this was kind of like a singles restaurant where people are trying to be it. But I realized, wow, we disciples, are, we're, we, we really have the best life possible. Have you ever had that moment where you just looked, and it dawned on you, life is good, but usually it's because, what, you're with friends, You know, when you feel that, wow, life is good, this is awesome, you're in that zone, you're with friends, you're with relationships. Sometimes when I'm with my kids and, you know, there are certain ages where all you just feel is kind of numb and tired and you're going, no, no, uh, stop, you're not really talking, you're just grunting and barking out orders. But then you get to this stage, I was sitting with the bullisans and their kids, they're, you know, both in school and... And I just said, you know, this this is that's a good stage. You're just having a good time. Your family, you're laughing, and so you get that moment. Life is good, but usually it involves people. And so when we're studying the Bible with people, there's a big thing that's the mark of a Christian. It's how we love one another. If you want someone to go, wow, I want to be part of your church. You know, there's this thing that's so important. It's how we love one another. Jesus says in John chapter 13. We're not turning there because we covered it last week. We're covering the second half of this. Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this All men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. You see, that turns religion on its head in modern America. People don't talk about, hey, you know what's a mark of a Christian? It's your relationships with the body of Christ. No one says that in church anymore. If they ever have in America. You know what most people say? You know what's a mark of a Christian? You've accepted him. You finally realize you're a big, hopeless dirt bag, and as long as Jesus comes into your life, you're good. That's what people are saying religion is. But Jesus says, No, guess what? A sign that you're following me is how you treat each other. Now, Christian relationships are different from how we love our community. You go, why? Because Jesus said it was a new command, and he said, love one another. The old command is love your neighbor as yourself. The new command, he said, was each other. We've got to have a mutual sense of Christianity here. So some of us, many of us who are leaders, we find a nobility in just giving, 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 giving. But actually, that's not the full scripture. We have to give and expect people to rise up and raise up and give too. We actually have to do that. Are you right now today, as we start off, a consumer or a contributor? Are you today a consumer or a contributor? We live in the United States. It's a consumer culture. Our economy is built on consuming. And it's easy to consume, isn't it? It is. So easy to consume. I'm telling you. Remember Fastuary? That's long gone in my brain. (laughs) You know, all the promises you make when you are not consuming. It's so fun. When I was... we, we, We fasted from... Wheat products, anything wheat. So we were just avoiding wheat. We were gluten-free for like a whole month. And you know what I'm telling my wife? I'm bragging to her. I don't, I don't have to eat bread again. I'm fine. Look, at this is great. I feel better. Like, this is so awesome. You know this I watch here? Remember how I bragged? I'm working out. Yes, right? I'm working out. I went to Reno for three days. And, I, you know, I got off our schedule. It was so hectic. Appointment every minute. Couldn't work out. You know how hard it is to get back into the routine? You know, once I had that slice of pizza, gluten became my friend again. I made up with gluten. I said, "Wheat, I'm so sorry." How could have I misjudged you? And I easily became a consumer. See, yes, I, you know, there is. Insane, yeah, you know what? I'm telling you. <laughs> 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 We're see, a fellowship of friends, right? Kelly encourages me, you can still get rid of that gluten. <laughs> Tom's on, doesn't taste the same. <laughs> on Tastes great, less filling. <laughs> But relationships matter. They really do to God. And so we're going to look at Matthew 18. How should our relationships be? Because we're supposed to love like Jesus, just so you know. Jesus is the expectation, the standard, the way we should love. Not how you want to love, not what you think love is, but Jesus. And he's going to say, let me tell you how to love. Matthew 18. In Matthew 18, verse 1, it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So here's the currency of the kingdom. This is what it means. This is how you actually enter the kingdom. In line one, it's, I just want us to understand, our humility matters. Our humility matters. Give me one second, folks. I literally left my notes up back there on the table. Give me one second. probably in the Bible here somewhere because that's where I put it last give me one second you know I was watching Phantom of the Opera we went there we paid good money I didn't know this one of the big parts of the Phantom of the Opera is this chandelier comes down Right? have you ever watched that musical didn't work paid good money to see it not work you paid good money to just watch me fumble around to find this uh, notes. So let's just keep on. Our humility matters in finding the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's super important for us to understand that. Because as you're looking at being a Christian, it's all about being humble. And so we're going to take a look briefly. We'll just Go through Matthew 18 just to get a picture. As Jesus is describing relationships. What's he looking at? Let's go to verse 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or foot causes you to, to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. You go, wow, what is this? This is intense. Yes, Jesus was intense. And he's saying, hey, guess what? Sin hurts other people. We've got to let go. And this is just to our members so that you could be free, but also you could be convicted at the same time. Some of us from our church history, we think, oh, I am righteous to please God. Some of us say, I am righteous to please God. So then when we sin, what do we think? How do we think God feels about us? He doesn't like us right now. God's not happy with me. He's a cosmic finger you know, waving up and down. You walk out, you look into the sun, you see a sad face. You go, oh my goodness, I'm not righteous, God hates me. You know what, your righteousness, and we'll look at this if we have time, in the second part of the study, your righteousness is God's blessing to you. And our sin only hurts us, but it also hurts others, and that's why God gets serious about it. Notice how he says, you know, you're going to go to hell if you sin. You go, we just look at that passage only, but look at the, the beginning part. He says, when we sin, it can cause other people to stumble. Our relationships matter. When you decide to lead in the church, you go, wow, I'm going to get my act together, right? Because my example matters. When you have children in your presence, what do you do? Oh, i got to act a certain way. Why? Because your, your example matters. If you're an educator in this fellowship, right? How you act around the kids is completely different than how you act in the teacher's lounge. Come on. Things change. Because we know, wait, what we can do hurts others. Line two, our righteousness is important in loving others. And we need to care for each other's faith. Our righteousness is important in loving others. See, when we love each other like Jesus, we have these kind of thoughts. Number one, humility is important in the fellowship. Number two, our righteousness matters because it affects other people. God takes sin seriously because our sin can hurt others. Let's go to verse 11. In verse 11 it says, um, well actually go to verse 12. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go, go to look for the one that wanders off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you he is happier than one, that one sheep uh, he's happy about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Line three is this. You know, when you lose one, God says, if you just lose one, you've got to just really go after that one. That's how our relationship should be. Every person matters. And line three, our persistence, our perseverance. Actually, our perseverance is important. And helping people stay saved and connected to the flock. You know, in this church, if you start struggling spiritually, I hope you expect to be a little stalked. Now, when you are doing poorly spiritually, you just go, Hey, how come no one's calling me? Oh my gosh, everyone's so fake, they don't call me. And then they call you, and if you're not doing well, Oh my gosh, these people are in my business, they're so nosy, I can't believe it. And so the 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 chaser after, the person who wants to call you will look at that phone and debate. Should I call? Or is that you know, because they you know that'll help them, or are they gonna think I'm some nasty stalker? They debate. But you know what, we've gotta err. The Bible it doesn't matter how the sheep responds, we gotta people who be people who go after people. We gotta persevere with each other. That's what our relationship should be like. Not because there's going to be a statistical accountability for how much you did what, but literally in my heart, do I believe one child gone matters. I don't care how many kids you have. You don't go, well, I have six kids, so if I lose one, it's okay. We're not wired that way. You know, when you have lots of siblings, you don't go, well, we could give or take one of them. You know, our family will be fine. You don't think that way. When your family one goes, everyone cares. Everyone cares. And that's what it says. We, our perseverance is so important with each other. Let's go to verse 15. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You go, wow, what's going on here? It says, hey, if someone sins against you, make sure you talk to people to vent. Is that what it says? No, if someone sins against you, you go to that person directly and show them their fault. You know, here in, 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 in line four, but this is something for us to understand, is that our honesty is important if you're going to love like Jesus. Our honesty is important. You know, when you love like Jesus, the Bible says you speak the truth in love. When you think about who Jesus is, in John chapter 1, it says Jesus was filled with grace and truth. We read, I'm not sure if we read in this, in this group, but in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Do not love each other with just words, but in action and in what? Truth. Our honesty matters. When you're working with people and um, when you're studying the Bible with people, this is the thing that causes people to leave the church right away at the front, at the front end. Dishonesty. They don't know how to work out Their emotional problems. How many of us, before we became disciples, was really good at talking to people directly when they hurt our feelings? Zero. Right? Some of us would have a temper tantrum, some of us would run away, and that's it. (laughs) That's all we had. And so God just goes, man, you know what? When people, we, this is a huge thing to learn that we've got to understand. When someone hurts us, we've got to talk to them directly. Well, let me tell you what gossip is. Because sometimes we think, well, okay, what is gossip? Did you know it takes two people to gossip? Did you know that a stand-up comedian can't be a stand-up comedian if he has no audience? I can't preach if you guys don't sit here and endure me. So this is a two-way street. I am actually more grateful for, for you than you might be for me, just so you know. You go, why? Because, hey, guess what? You're enduring me. I think many of you are much more entertained by other people. But here's the thing. With gossip in the same way, you don't have gossip without a speaker and a hearer. It takes two people to gossip, not one. And so just so you know, when we're studying the Bible with people, even in this fellowship, and if you're visiting with us, you go, what kind of church is is this? We don't believe in gossip. I'm telling you, in many congregations on this planet, gossip is the trade of the fellowship. I grew up in a Korean church, and I don't know how it is in black, white, Asian, uh, what other Asian churches or whatnot, or Latino churches. I'm not sure because I haven't gone, right? But in Korean churches, they, Korean churches split more, like, more than cells do in your body. <laughs> you know, why? Because of gossip. Gossip, gossip, gossip. You go, what if someone tells me something? They're having a hard time with somebody and all that. How do I handle that? How do I be loving? How do I be, how do I be a great ear? You're not there to just be an ear, you're there to be a peacemaker. So if someone talks to you and you hear them, what's the difference between gossip and not gossip? You become an agent of unity. Oh, bro. You go, well, how do I do that? It's not enough to just go, well, talk to that other person. Now, I'll be honest with you. I get why we need to talk openly with others and about our feelings, what we've gone through. I get that because sometimes we do it to protect the other person. Have you ever been so mad that you knew if you opened your mouth, you would say terrible things that you couldn't take back? Has that ever happened to you? So you go, you know, I want to make sure... Have have you ever known that you were mad and you were saying, you know, I'm mad, but it could be me too. So if I just jump on that person, it's not even going to be helpful to anyone. Have you ever had that feeling, right? So we know... That we got to work things out sometimes. okay. But the listener has to go, now I've heard these things. I've been tainted. I have now had your perspective, not just my own. So that listener just doesn't go, okay, go talk to the other person. Because when you've gossiped and you go talk to another person, that person again, the the person you were mad at, you're not going to say everything exactly. I've seen it happen. That brother, he was such a man. You know, he's, he's, he's crazy. He's dumb. I can't believe it. And then you, then you go talk to him. And you go, you know what you said? You said a few things that kind of, um, yeah, I know your heart was good. And, you know, and, and the brother goes, oh, okay, great. Thank you. And, and that person is going, oh, see? He didn't even get it. Walks away all angry. Right. so what happens? What do we do? If you've listened, you're involved with both parties now. That's it. All you do is say, hey, I want you to talk to this person directly, and I'm going to follow up with both you and the person you've talked about. That's it. Very simple. You're not working with one person anymore. You're now working with two. Is that clear? Simple. Bring both parties together. Or talk to both parties, just to make sure everything's smoothed out. go, no, I'm mature. I'm not going to take any one side. It doesn't matter how mature you are. It's just, it's just make sure everything's worked out. I'm mature, they're mature, it should work out. Don't gossip. What is gossip in our congregation? Any hidden negative communication? Come on, bro. It. If it's hidden, it's gossip. Are you with me on that? Are you going off script? No. This is literally in our studies. Because we need to teach people coming in. This is what gossip is. This is what happens. We've got to talk to people directly. Well, what else does it say? Hey, you know what? Um, it says, you know, people can change. If you talk to someone and when they've hurt you, what's the intent here? It's kind of a cool thing. You've got to get a picture on who Jesus is. It says here in verse Fifteen. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won and defeated them. And, you know, and, and totally trampled over Satan. And you are the victor and you are superior. No, it says you have won them over. You know, when you point out someone's sin, you're not there to defeat them. You're not even there to defeat Satan. You're there to win them over. Do you understand how amazing Jesus is? How empowering Jesus is? He says you can help those who have hurt you. You could transform those who have terrorized you. You can love those who have really, really harmed you and help them be different. That's intense. That's a lot of power. In the world was, if someone hurts you, just forgive them, move on. Someone hurts you, just avoid them. God just told you, hey, don't hang out with them anymore. Or if someone's hurt you, other religions hurt them back. Take that eye back. They took your eye, you take their eye back. Jesus says, no, you can actually win over those who sin. Isn't that cool? Amen. Don't you want to be like Jesus? Okay. Let's go to verse 18. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on, oh, I already read that. Let's go to verse 19. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or there are three gather in my name, there am I with them. Yes, last point. We, we, we've talked about this already, but I want us to understand this. Jesus says when two or three people gather and they agree, Jesus is there and whatever you ask for can happen. And in, in, in line five, there is so much power when people agree. We need to work hard to stay unified with each other. That's why we speak honestly with each other. That's why we work it out. You know a marriage is in crisis not when they're fighting, but when they stop. They don't even talk to each other anymore because they've kind of given up. And God says that we've got to keep working this out. We've got to stay unified. Because there's power when we agree. In verse 21, I'm going to read a, a long passage, but the pa- you, I read the whole passage so you can get the emotional impact, but the principle is s- simple. In verse 21, then, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servants in. Line six, our forgiveness is important. It's salvation threatening. Line seven, salvation is lost when we stop loving like Jesus. That's one of our doctrinal positions. Do you understand that? And you go, well, why is that? That's not true. God's grace is here. God's grace is there. God's grace runs out when you don't give it. God's grace disappears when you don't share it. It literally says, did you know you owe me so much? I have forgiven you of so much. Never forget how much you're forgiven of. You want to have a functional, healthy marriage. You want to have healthy relationships in the church. You want to have healthy relationships with your kids. Remember how much you have sinned. Amen. Remember how many times you back to your parents. Amen. Remembering how many times you've been late, how many times you've been angry, how many times you've been afraid or insecure, how many times you've gossiped or stabbed someone in the back. Oh, I never have. You've forgotten that you were forgiven so much. And God says, you can't give a little bit of grace. Remember, sin hurts us and hurts others. And God says, when you don't forgive like that, it's serious. God gets ticked off. He really does. But maybe not about the things that we used to get so uptight about in our past. Right here, it's very clear. Forgiveness is essential to your salvation. We'll close out Hebrews chapter 3. Now, believe it or not, we're supposed to do these studies with people, and you're like, wow, okay. Dave, when you do these studies, they kind of do 30 minutes a page. Um, this is like one page in your book, okay? I'm preaching this, So, and when you're talking to a large crowd, you've got to kind of come up with a lot of illustrations and energy, so it takes longer to preach this. Uh, Dale and Jerry have sat with me and doing these studies. When you're just talking with someone one-on-one, it goes by really fast, So this actually would preach in about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just so you know. Teach. But when you're preaching, it's a little different, just so you know as a side. Okay? You don't have to stretch it out like I am. In Hebrews chapter (laughs) 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Very simple thought here in verse 8 love each other daily. That's it. Love each other daily. This is how Jesus calls us to love one another. I tell you, in our fellowship, we have faded from this. Trust me, I'm aware. We have decided it's okay to not need each other. For exa- As a matter of fact, it's a sign of spiritual maturity. It had become an infection, not just in this ministry, but all throughout the region where ministers would say, hey, you're independent, you're, you're doing well spiritually because you, you don't need nothing and you don't need nobody. And here's the thing. We went through that journey in the world. When we came to God... We had already decided, oh wow, well, I don't need anybody, I don't need anybody. And when we got when we became disciples and our hearts got soft, we go, Wow, I need people, I want to welcome people into my life. And we were really devoted to that. But then we got hurt once, hurt twice, hurt three times. Maybe when we went through this whole passage in Matthew eighteen. Maybe Matthew eighteen was meant to warn us. Maybe someone sinned against us and we didn't show them their fault. Over time we stopped forgiving. And our hearts got hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We always think the daily contact is to keep us from hardening our hearts to some sort of sin we struggle with. Sometimes the daily contact is to keep our hearts from hardening towards each other. That you stay in contact because I, I tell you, I just want you to understand. For some of you, may, you may have forgotten this, but I'm going to tell you, or some of you have never discovered it. There are people in this room, and there's not a lot of people in this room. You don't know everyone here. Look around and look. Do you know every name that you see? That's interesting. And they were were like double the size last week. And, you know, we keep going up and down. We contract, expand, like, I don't know, like wood in the Midwest. Um, Like wooden floors in the Midwest. Cold, hot. But here's the thing. We've gotten out of practice. When your heart gets hardened by sin's deceitfulness, you go, why should I give because someone else is going to hurt me here? When your heart gets hardened by sin's deceitfulness... You just go, well, attending church is enough. And what we've got to understand is we're here to live out what the Bible calls us to live out. Can we do different? Because both encouraging others and others encouraging us keeps our hearts soft. You looked around in this room and you said you don't know the name of everybody here. I call you today to make sure you meet one new person every week. That you do not ever, ever leave this fellowship without meeting one new person every week. And you have to remember their name. And guys, can we be humble? Okay, here's the thing. So you do that today. You meet one new person. If you don't know their name you go up to them and say, I don't know your name. And you know what? We got to be humble. You're going to say, I've been at this church longer than you have, and you still don't know my name, or you met me. I remembered you met me on October 17th, 2014, and I told you my name. Okay, that. Be humble and say, hey, you know my name is this, okay? Trust me, don't go with if that person's a different ethnicity and, you don't, and they don't remember your name or they think you're someone else, trust me, I know how that feels. Everyone thinks I'm someone else. Just say, I'm sorry, no, that's the other Asian brother. <laughs> my name is Dave. Just, just be humble and you do not. It, you be humble too. You don't leave this fellowship. If you go, I know I just that sister told me her name last week and I can't remember it. Go up again. Do it again. Do it again. Don't avoid the person until you know the names of everyone that you see here. Can we make that a a project? Yeah. Can we make that a goal here? So, anyways, that's the end of the lesson. Um, we're not gonna, you know, we'll, we'll do the next half later. You always know. I guess you guys get to know what the next sermon's gonna be on because I only get through half of it, right? But uh, let's have a great time in fellowship. Do not leave until you've met someone new. Have a great time in fellowship.